It's complicated. Pittsburgh's Rock and Alternative 1059 DX. Well, well, well. I got a text last night, and so I can tell you with 100% certainty, Sidney Crosby was not cleared to play in game six, and Rob Rossi's report was 100% wrong. That don't make Rossi a liar or a bad guy. It means Rob just got this one wrong. To repeat, Sid was 100% not cleared to play in game six. This is the Mark Madden Show. I am the game because I am just that damn good. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Or you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. There's a lot more about the Penguins elimination and offseason I want to touch base on. The Penguins weren't going to win the Stanley Cup. They had zero chance of doing that. It's a team in decline. Had they won around, it might have kept the notion alive that this group could put together one more run. Well, they didn't, and that's good because they couldn't, and now it's time to act pragmatically. I didn't like all the excuse-making afterward. Too much talk about the helmet rule and not enough owning the blown leads. That's the big story. The Penguins blew leads in games five, six, and seven. If you lose Rust and keep Raquel, that might be an even trade. Rust was a Crosby creation here in Pittsburgh. He'll go to, say, Detroit. He might never top 20 goals again. Raquel could do just as well on Crosby's line. If you lose Geno and sign Trocek, it's going to make you a better team. Five on five. But Latang is the one guy you can't really replace. Gonna have to. Gonna have to figure it out. But he is tough to replace. Once again, that number to call 412-333-WXDX. Uh, Mark Method, the defenseman who, who used to play for Ottawa, Remember Sid slashed his pinky off in 2017? He posted a weird tweet today. I got a blog going up about it. You can check out the tweet on my Twitter feed, and we'll talk about it later. But in in a nutshell, in 2017, Method got his pinky slashed off by Sid. Literally lost part of his pinky. He was out. Until the playoffs, then the Penguins and Sens uh, met in the postseason. You'll remember that series. It was the conference final. Chris Kunis scored in overtime of Game 7 to send the Penguins to the Stanley Cup final for a second straight year and ultimately a second straight Stanley Cup. And Method posted a photo of him gouging Sid's eye in a scrum during those playoffs. But apparently since then, Sid gave Method an autographed stick, so he forgives him. I'm not sure if that's an eye for a stick or a finger for an autograph or what the frig message is being sent there. But uh, again, check out Twitter, and I'll post it on my blog 
a, a little bit later. Uh, some of the Penguins surprised me in a positive way in the playoffs. Obviously, I mean, they played good most of the time. They went to overtime in the seventh game despite a bunch of injuries and despite mostly playing their third-string goalie. Dan Heinen surprised me. All during the season and in the playoffs, he scored three goals, and they were all pretty important. That said, when you're counting on Danton Heinen, you in trouble. Erod had a decent playoff, but he took that tragic penalty to turn game six around for New York, and uh, I just wouldn't bring him back. The Penguins need to change, even if it's merely for the sake of change, and usually that's the worst reason to change. But in this case, I'll pick that up if somebody puts it down because, as I've been saying for months, the Penguins are stale. Another positive note, Jake Gensel is really good. I mean, really effing good. I mean, better than anybody on the team, but Sid good. Um, I've told you that Brian Burke almost certainly won't be back. Fenway Sports Group is already tired of him. They don't like his profane conduct during games in the general manager's box at PPG Paints Arena. Hey, he sits right behind me. He's yelling F-bombs at the top of his lungs when somebody makes a bad play. So I would assume Burke's gone, and I can't figure out what the frig his job is anyway. I don't think Ron Hextel has done a terrible job as GM. I just think the Penguins need better. And if a lot of cap space does open up due to departures, I don't trust Textall to spend whatever cap windfall is available to him. He doesn't have the track record anywhere to spark my faith in that regard. Uh, it's time to stop with the veterans like Boyle and even Carter, although Carter's here for, what, two more years after that absurdly timed contract extension he got in January. you got to trust some kids and hope they get better. Sullivan 100% has to do that. Sullivan 100% has to have a plan B next year. Sullivan 100% has to convince management, at least if I'm management, it's what I want to hear. He has to convince them that he can coach lesser talent and different talent. If the team's not the fastest anymore, what's he going to do? I want to know if I'm Fenway Sports Group. The Penguins need an upgraded backup goalie, but it's not crucial like you think. They didn't blow it by having used the Ming. He's actually okay for a third-string goalie. Where they blew it is probably they needed better than the Smith at number two. But as it turned out, that really didn't matter because he got hurt. You look at some of the players on the roster. Mark Friedman isn't good enough. It's time to put POJ in there. He was a first-round pick. Okay, move Pedersen, move Dumoulin, move whoever, but it's time to play POJ. Ryan Boyle isn't fast enough. Don't bring him back. Jeff Carter isn't young enough. Jason Zucker doesn't score enough. Kasperi Kaplan doesn't think enough. Mike Matheson isn't conventional enough. John Marino isn't self-aware enough. The team in general isn't big enough. Now, to expand on a couple of those, Mike Matheson has been a, a mostly positive factor. In fact, he had a very surprising year, and, and that was a good trade that brought Matheson from Florida for Patrick Hornquist. Matheson is a factor, a positive factor, the own goals duly noted, but he needs to make the easy play more often. 
He can't always be the human hand grenade. He's got to settle it down and reel it in when the scoring situation dictates. Then again, that description can be applied to the entire Penguins team. Marino just thinks he's good. And he's not that good. Look at his pedigree. Marino was a sixth-round pick by Edmonton. Edmonton traded him to Pittsburgh for sixth-round pick. That's like Marino's level. Sixth round. He was great as a rookie, and the Penguins believed that season is what Marino is, which is why Rutherford gave him a contract that's too much for too long. And Marino believes he's that too, but but that rookie season was an outlier. That's not what he is. He's a bottom-pair defenseman, not Chris Letang, and needs to temper his style to the former as opposed to trying to imitate the latter. Uh, 412-333-WXDX. So if you'd like to respond to any of that, fire away. We got Mike Rupp next segment. He's just around the corner. The Penguins are going to change. And that's good because stale is bad and four straight losses in the first round is worse. As great as Sid is and as fearful as he is of change, he might like change after it happens. It might freshen him up. I'd like to see a line of Sid, Jake, and Raquel and what it could do over a full season. Uh, by the way, my picks for the second round are Tampa over Florida in seven. New York over Carolina in seven. Edmonton over Calgary in seven. St. Louis over Colorado in seven. That upset pick, that last one, the Blues over the Avs, that would have been helped last night had St. Louis beat Colorado when the game went to overtime, but the Avs won, and they outshot St. Louis. I think it was 16-0 in overtime. So they got the motor running. Uh, I got some upsets picked there because I don't just like to go with the chalk. Kucherov, oh, did you see that? He blew by Ekblad. Linda Ronstadt blew by you last night and set up Corey Perry for a tap-in. Ekblad's a stud, too, former first pick overall. Kucherov is an amazing player. So Tampa wins that game at Florida to take a 1-0 lead in that series. And like I said, Colorado beats St. Louis in overtime. 412-333-WXDX, just around the corner. Former Penguin, former Cup winner with New Jersey. It's Mike Rupp here on 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Does your girlfriend want to bang a penguin? Well, dang, but I guess if that's your freebie, then my freebie would be Crosby. But, uh... Wait, what? DX at 105.9. The Penguins offseason is underway a bit quicker than we had hoped. Joining me now to discuss X of the Penguins. He's all over the hockey media now. A pleasure to speak to Mike Rupp. Rupper. Why did the Penguins keep blowing leads? They had the lead in games five, six, and seven. To me, that's the single biggest story of that series. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Um, I think sometimes the, the team, and any team in general that has issues with that, has has a struggle with kind of um, maybe understanding the situation and adjusting how you're playing. I mean, to get a lead and play a certain way is one thing. But in the playoffs, I, I don't think you just continue to play the same way. Um, you've got to be a little more calculated. You've got to know that you can't give any freebies. And, uh, you know, I found that that's something that when the Pens aren't doing good, they're, they're, they're struggling with that. Well, case in point, the Penguins trapped and managed the puck down low 
the last nine minutes of game three with the one goal lead, and they never did it again despite situations that clearly dictated. Yeah, and, and I think that's all. That's a, it's a different mindset we talk about in the playoffs, but you have to be very um, selfless in situations. And I'm not saying they're selfish. Um, what I'm saying is that you just got to recognize that this, there's a time and place for everything. And in the playoffs, if you're not willing to make those adjustments as a team during the game, or at least be mindful of it and be on the same page, then um, you're going to have issues because it's, it's really important for all five guys. Just like on the penalty kill, you always talk about, Hey, if we're going to pressure all five guys, or sorry, four guys need to pressure. It's not like two guys pressure. Like you got to be on the same page. I think it's the same thing with managing a game. Every player has to know in that situation, you're up to nothing, you're up a goal or whatever the circumstances. All right, we're in a good spot here. So we don't need nothing 50-50, nothing, you know, we got to know what our margins are here and we got to make the right decisions. What's your take on that helmet play with Pedersen when New York tied the game late in the third in game seven? That got leaned on a lot afterwards by the Penguins. I didn't like it. I didn't hear the accountability I wanted. Yeah, so um, the play itself, I mean, you could certainly argue that it, it should be a penalty that on, on just Lafreniere pulling Pedersen's helmet off. Yep. I mean, you got an argument there. It's not you're not supposed to be able to do that. But I also think the way it was, it wasn't it wasn't very blatant as far as in in the nature of the playoffs. There's circumstances you're not going to make that call. It's a it was a marginal call. If it would have gone and it would have been a penalty, I would have been okay with it. And I'm okay with it not being called. Um, you know, it's just one of those that kind of falls in that in that little spot there. And, well, I, I don't uh, like with, the rule, Rupper. I think it's a it's a superfluous rule. I think it's a rule for the sake of a rule. Well, I mean, it's it's because of the head safety, and and, and they don't want players to to play. And I've, there's been other players in the league and that have spoken up about it in the last week or so, or sorry, since that happened a couple of days ago. And uh, some players are like, hey, we're skilled enough to know. Uh, not to put yourself in a certain spot, but I mean, I don't know. Like Madge, it's playoff hockey. If my helmet comes off, I'm not sure every player is going to make the best decision for their health. And they might lay down face first to block a shot and a slap shot without a helmet on to the head or a deflection like that, that could be something really bad. So I, I understand the rule, but I, I, I don't know if everybody understands the fact that came out later is that you could pick up your helmet and just slap it back on your head without even doing up the chin strap. And I'm I'm not sure you know, Marcus Pedersen knew that. Um, I'm not sure uh, a lot of players know that because a lot of times with all these referees we're seeing, whether it's ESPN, TNT, or Tim Peel, who's been va- very active on social media, they're all saying most cases we see players just beeline it off the ice. Like they never really attempt to put the helmet on. So maybe this is something that's going to make everybody, hey, I don't need to do that. And in this circumstance, the helmet's sitting right there. Um, I don't know. I, I think as far as excuses post game. I don't know how much, as far as Mike Sullivan saying what he said, like the player has to come off the ice. Um, you know, maybe he's trying to protect his player. Maybe he's just trying yeah, to. Yeah, take maybe, some but, of the, but the big the thing is off. Marino has to do better there. That's what caused the goal. Not yes. the confusion with you, Pedersen's you, helmet, but Marino's turnover. I'm, I wasn't on the ice. I don't know what happened there, but it's the same thing as if you break a stick. And if you, you've got to let all your teammates know, especially if you're going off. Or if you don't have a stick, you scream. You let everybody know. I'd have to assume that that John Marino knew, but uh, maybe he didn't. And, and and so I guess my point is it's a bad turnover, bad management of the puck any way you look at it. 
But when a player is is going off the ice, your defensive partner, you, you've got to make sure. That's even more so. Like, it's almost better just keep the puck on your stick and just go eat it along the boards to buy some time. So I'm not sure if it was communicated down there, but it should have been. What happened on the play where McGinn wound up taking the penalty? To me, the Penguins just kept flunking Hockey 101 over and over again uh, on that sequence. Yeah, so um, yeah, I was caught up in the, the part of the sequence. I, to be honest with you, I don't remember how it came to do, into play. I just remember that the puck getting out in this, the open space there, and, and Keandre Miller, I was really shocked at how well he could skate. And because uh, Brock McGinn, he can move. And so, but once Miller had that body position with his size, you knew that he's taken to the net. So it's either going to be a goal, uh, an unbelievable scoring chance, or there's going to be a penalty on the play. And, uh, you know, those are obviously the, the only the only three options here. But um, he took it hard to the net. He made McGinn reach in there and, and take a penalty. So uh, I'm not actually sure how it developed prior to that, but uh, it's not a great spot when you've got... Well, well Robert, Robert, my point was McGinn's the last guy, and he gets stripped of the puck. And both defensemen yeah. are down lower. Like I said, it's overtime, and they're... Flunkin' Hockey 101. Yeah, yeah, you got you to gotta back up all, all guys at all time. Um, I'm sure that's why Brock McGinn's up there to back up the D, but then you've, you've got to also realize, like, you're, you're the last man here. And just even how weird the situation is that you have a D on the other team that's driving the net on a forward of the defending team. That doesn't happen very much. So that right there shows that something, that something went wrong. How did Jari play, and was starting him the right move? 100% it was the right move. Uh, I, I, I think he, he did well. He looked, uh, he looked banged up. <laughs> he looked like he was laboring, getting up sometimes, didn't look like he was popping up like usual, and that's to be expected and uh, what his injury was. But I thought um, if we're going to take a you know, silver lining out of this, I, I thought it was a gutsy play by him right, to come in, and, and he gave them a chance. And and I I just I'm a big Tristan Jari fan. What I've seen from him this year, and uh, I thought this was a moment you had to play him, and he did. He went in there and he did his best. We're talking to Mike Rupp. Rupp are brought to us by Keystone Basement System and by our buddies at Get Go. Uh, there was a report that Sid was cleared to play Game Six, and Hextall ixnated it out of concern for Sid's safety. Now I've been told 100% Rupper that that's not true that he wasn't cleared to play game six. And really, that's only logical, because if Sid's cleared, why would Hextall say no, and why would Sid let him say no? Yeah, so, um, you know, I don't, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know where it came from or what, you know, how it came about. Uh, but when I when I saw that, I thought to myself, and all I could speak to is, is my experience, Sidney Crosby is the most competitive person yep. I've ever met in my life. Yep most like then that's not even close and you're talking to a guy that will you know i'll bet anybody anytime anything if it's throwing paper into a garbage throwing you know trying to land a water bottle on it's you know like like this guy is different if Sidney crosby was cleared to play nobody nobody's going to tell him he's not I, i would i would take that to the grave no one's going to tell him no and i would like to think that sid has enough cachet where he can uh, call a shot in that situation. So, um, I, yeah, I don't think that, that that was the case. I do think Sid getting knocked out of the series, however, relatively briefly, I think that killed the Penguins. I thought Sid played okay in Game 7, but only okay. Jake scored that great goal in Game 7, and boy, 
I, I know nobody wants to see Geno leave, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think this year, and including the playoffs, Jake was the Penguins' second best player, trailing only Sid. Yeah, you know he was. He was. Uh, yeah, I would say in Game Seven, Sid didn't look like his dominant self that he did earlier on in the. I mean, he was that line absolutely dominated in every way, shape, and form. They, I mean, they, they, the New York Rangers had zero answers for that Crosby line. That hit happens. Yes, it changed a lot. It changed the series. And Sid did his best in Game 7, but he looked a little different. Um, you know, he still played hard and still played well, but it was just a little bit a little bit off. And uh, with that being said, with Jake Gensel, I, I just – I'm going to get killed for saying this because I'm not trying to say Jake is as good as Sidney Crosby, but that gap isn't as big as people think. Like, this guy does so much, and he Well, here, here's, here's what I've been saying, so Rupper. Like, uh, I, I'll be blunt, no knock to Rusty, and I wish him well if he leaves, but I think he's primarily a Sid creation. I think Gensel and Sid are pretty close to equal partners. Not not totally equal, but yeah, you, you understand. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, again, it's just the same thing you're saying. I'm not discrediting Brian Russ. I mean, it's incredible what this guy has done, but I think a lot of that is off of 87. Uh, that's not the case with 59. Like, this guy, we're saying this is the, some of the best hockey we've seen play. you got to give some credit to 59 as well. And 59 is an all-world player that we're talking about. Certainly, you got to give credit to 87. And, and you got to sprinkle in Brian Rust in there, too, obviously. But uh, I think that he's a guy that can drive offense by himself. I'm really interested over the next couple of years, depending on which way this team goes, I think we all sit here and think, oh, these guys will play together forever. But if this team gets to a point, I, I do think that if they had to move Jake Gensel to another line and had Sidney run his line and have Jake kind of be in the man on, on line two from the wing, I think he can do it. I, I really do think he could still drive offense. Uh, speaking of which, and we have no way of, of knowing, we're just guessing, Rupper, but out of the free agents, who do you think Pittsburgh can retain? Um, who who can they retain? Uh, I mean, they can retain them all if the guys are willing to take quite a bit under market value. But I, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know. Um, I, certainly all these guys help the team, but they only help the team if it's the right number. And that right number allowing them to do other things to make this team better. I mean, if you're talking Sid, or sorry, not Sid, uh, if you're talking Gino, Latang, and uh, and Rust, they all help this team. This team is better with those guys on roster as long as the number is right and they could do some other things. If it's for what they all make even now, I don't think it's a winning recipe. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't well, know. Well, Rupert, here's here's my right. prediction, and see what you think. And this can change daily. I think Rust is gone. I think he'll get six by six somewhere. I think they might retain Raquel. And I think Raquel on a line with Gensel and Sid would be uh, not much of a drop off at all. I think they'd rather keep Latang, and so would I because he's tougher to replace. But I think he'll get too much for too long somewhere like Montreal. I don't think the interest in Gino is going to be great after the way he played. And I bet he comes back relatively affordable and for the purposes of appeasing Sid. That's how I could see it uh, playing out. Yeah, no, I can see that. I could see that. Uh, the only one I would I'd maybe say is I'm I'm not totally sold yet that Brian, I, I think Brian Russ can get a lot more money somewhere else and a lot more terms somewhere else. But I'm not convinced, for whatever reason, that 
that he that's everything to him. I mean, you're sitting here in a position where you can play with Sidney Crosby. Sure, you might have to take less money, less term now, but we've seen players in the past jump the jump off the ship in situations like this, and it's not really the grass isn't greener. I mean, making that money is fine. Might cut your career short on the back end. So I, I don't know. I could see Rusty being a guy that, you know, he's in a great spot, knows that as long as you get somewhere somewhere in the vicinity. But I, I think Chris Letang is it's going to be really tough because you're right. It's not just the dollars. It's the term. I think someone someone's going to give Letang both. And, uh, Rupert, and let me predict. I think Montreal is going to give Letang five by ten. Seriously. I think uh, uh, that that I, I wouldn't doubt that. So say five by ten. Here's my prediction. I think Evgeny Malkin um, will be offered a contract. It's quite a bit of a pay cut, and he'll have a tough decision. It's either that or he's going to go down and sign with the Florida Panthers. Oh, no, the Florida Panthers won't want him. I bet he goes to Dallas. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Many a slip betwixt cup and lip. Uh, what about management? Will Hextall, Burke, and Sullivan all be back? I would suspect Sullivan's a lock. Yeah, I think Sully's probably a lock. Um, I think that everything else uh, is – everything's in the air right now. I mean, I guess you can even throw Sully in there. I, I, I personally think that he's an unbelievable coach. You're not going to get a better guy for this group right now than him. Then, so I think he should be good. Um, but you've, the whole Fenway sports group, like this is a new era. This is a new era that's coming at a time where everything's coming to a head with these players we talked about, the franchise's rich history, and where it goes in the future. So if there is ever a time for a move, it might be right now. Who's going to win the Stanley Cup? Those were two pretty good games last night. Yeah, I, I I picked Tampa at the beginning. I'm going to stick with them. I think they're going to win again, but they look kind of they look a little shaky to be honest with you. But they're finding ways. Like that's the, what we're talking about. Even at the top of this interview, you talk about a team that's understanding certain stages of a game that they, you have to change how you play. They they're doing that. Like they don't look great. And uh, they were out playing. And Rupper, they, they make won. they make that shift in the way they play automatically and smoothly. Yeah, yeah. Every and everybody does. There's no freelancers. You know, even a guy like Kucherov, who freelances a lot <laughs> in the regular season for offensive. He, he he understands. I saw him last night in that game. Back check like crazy. I was like, that's Cooch. Like, but he understands in a certain time of certain games. I've got to change how I play. It doesn't matter that I'm all world. Right now, we need something else. Rupper, as always, great stuff. Enjoy the playoffs. We'll talk again next week. Awesome, Mads. Enjoy, buddy. That is Mike Rupp. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. It's going to be the hoity-toity instead of the hoi-polloi. Double M, what's up? Idiots are often happy, but they have no real impact in this world, unless, of course, they're good enough to make the NFL. The X at 105.9. Thanks to Mike Rupp for joining me. That was a, a real good hockey segment. We'll have another one of those at 4.30 when Bob Airy, the former Penguin, two-time Stanley Cup champion, AT&T Sportsnet, he joins me at 4.30. Uh, the Sid story is crazy. As I said at the top of the show, I know definitively Sid was not cleared for Game 6. The report had been that he was cleared for Game 6, but Ron Hextall kept him from playing out of concern for Sid's health because Sid allegedly had a headache despite not being diagnosed with a concussion. But the bottom line is Sid was not cleared to play in game six. That report was erroneous. 
And why would anybody believe that Sid had been cleared? And Ron Hextall would tell Sid he couldn't play. And then Sid wouldn't play. I said before that I hate how there's no transparency with injuries in the National Hockey League. And if there were, that could have prevented this tempest in a teapot. I also said before, I don't like how the Penguins, after this series, didn't own losing and blowing leads. And uh, let me read a quote here from Chris Letang. It's a special group. It's a group that can win anything, unquote. It's a special group. It's a group that can win anything. Yeah, it can win anything except the playoff series for the last four years. Come on. Who are we kidding? Ding dong. Hello. And here's something I've pointed out nearly enough. When Gino came back from injury, from his knee surgery, I said then the Penguin structure would weaken. And that's exactly what happened. From that point forth, the Penguin structure was not nearly as strong or as consistent. It's exactly what happened. It happened just like I told you. And if you don't see that, it's because you just don't want to. If Gino's not with the Penguins next year, some of y'all be sad about that. And a part of me will too, believe it or not. But the team will get more structurally sound. Maybe it won't go to the circus every night. But maybe it can win close games. And maybe it can hold leads. Which it could not do against the Rangers in these playoffs. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Uh, The Steelers still haven't hired their general manager. It seems like they're badly overcomplicating that process. Uh, The good news is Lewis Riddick, the former Pitt player and a football executive, he just got a contract extension to keep doing analysis at ESPN. So he will not be the Steelers' general manager. And that's good. No offense to Lewis, but that's good. Going from TV to GM or TV to coach, look at the number of times it's been attempted, whether it's Matt Millen, Barry Melrose, John Gruden. It just doesn't work. It's the same sport, but it's a 100% different world. Let's go to Harry in the car. Harry, you're on with the super genius. What's going on, Double M? What up, man? So everyone's saying that Sullivan's job is definitely safe, and I got a bone to pick with that statement. Well, it doesn't matter if you do or don't because his job is definitely safe, but go ahead. Okay, that may be the case. I may be wrong, but the thing I'm no, thinking you're, you're is— No, you're 100% wrong. Let's just establish that, but go ahead and have your complaint. Okay. <laughs> so we got to talk about a team that got stale, and we got to talk about a team that can't protect the lead. They won't— uh, update what they're doing on the ice. Like, they, they protected the lead the they, one game. They, they won't adjust. They adjusted perfectly at the end of game three and didn't do it after that. Hey, I have my complaints too, but I'm telling you, he's going nowhere. Now, before I brought him back, I would want to hear that he has a plan B. I would want to know what that plan right. B is. I would want to know that he can coach lesser players and slower players. I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. And the thing that I'm saying is basically – if he's, if he's not going to adapt to what's going on on the ice, that, that's a coaching matter. And a team getting stale, I think, has played a lot into the coach's hands. He's allowing it to happen. Oh, uh, everything about this team was stale. 
But let me tell you something I talked about a moment ago, brother. When Gino's gone, it'll be a lot easier to do everything you say. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm never wrong. Thank you for the call. 412-333-WXDX. In just a moment, uh, the U.S. Women's National Team for soccer achieved an historic victory that is one of the stupidest, most illogical things I've ever heard of. I'll talk about that just around the corner here on 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan, big fan. Hashtag best in the world. You are the super genius. <laughs> I'll say. And then some. The X at 105.9. Let me preface what I'm about to say by telling you I'm a big supporter of women's sports, and in particular the U.S. women's national team. Megan Klingenberg of Pine Richland, a World Cup winner, an Olympic champion. She's been on this show many times. I thought the U.S. women's national team has gotten a little too political in recent years. I think by using the tournaments they've won, as a platform for their political opinions, they've actually taken away the enjoyment for the fan of what they want. But today it was announced the U.S. Women's National Team has reached a deal where they will get pay equal to the U.S. men despite not drawing equal revenue. And among the ways that the gap will be bridged between what the U.S. men make and what the U.S. women make, the United States Soccer Federation will take some of the U.S. men's World Cup bonus and give it to the women to even things out. That's insanely ridiculous. This isn't a situation of equal work, equal pay. It's how much revenue you produce and how much interest you create. So it's absurd. It's cheating the men to help the women and with no logical reason to help the women, but no one is there going to say that. Except me and I'm sure a few others, and we'll get shouted down because we do. But if you're on the U.S. men's World Cup team and some of what you earn is getting taken away to go to the women... Why would you stand for that? But they have to. I saw where one men's player said, I don't know why we have to give up what we already have. But then he said, but these women are great, blah, blah, blah. They deserve blah, blah, blah. And the fact of the matter is they don't deserve because there's not nearly as much interest and they don't create the revenue. And if you want to say equal work for equal pay for equal work, then whoever plays for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds should make as much money as somebody who plays for Real Madrid or for Liverpool. Like Canardo Forge and the Riverhounds should make as much as uh, Tiago does for Liverpool because they both play midfield. Equal work, equal pay, right? This is just utterly absurd and no one will dare say it. Uh, let's go to Michael in Minneapolis. Michael, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Right. Um, I listened to the uh, 
press conferences with Gino and Latang and Sid, and it kind of struck me the way everybody was talking. It was like they lost in overtime in the conference final, and they're just a couple tweaks away of going all the way. And I just I don't see where you can pay Malkin more than Gensel. If, if, if you're dra- so- if you're dramatizing, it's not by much. Yeah, I got that impression too. That like when Latang said this team was capable of winning anything. You haven't won a playoff series since 2018. Ding dong. Hello. Yeah, and they're not a few tweaks away. They got major problems on that. They have a very expensive blue line that isn't that good. And I don't know how you move some of these contracts in the offseason, especially Dumoulin's hurt. Well, that's why you have to create cap space by not retaining Malkin and probably not Latang either, although – I would try to retain Latang. I just think he's going to get way too much for way too long. Now, Montreal has a lot of money tied up in defensemen as it is, but Latang's French, and that counts for a lot up there. Let's go to Luke in Pittsburgh. Luke, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Good. Hey, a couple of quick things. I know we talked about Sully making adjustments in the game. I was curious about your thoughts. Uh, game five, when Sid got hurt, why he didn't call timeout when the Rangers started coming back. Uh, that's a good question. I don't think it's a deal breaker in terms of losing that game. Uh, people have also sure, compl- like people, people have also complained that uh, Carter should not have jumped in the first line, which he did initially before Malkin got there. But boy, sure. when something like that happens and you have to react, I, I don't know if you call timeout too. It gives the impression you're panicking because of Sid's exit. So I don't know if yeah, there's a right or wrong answer there. I think if. They could go back in time. Yeah, they probably would call a timeout and probably put Malkin yeah. right on the Crosby line between Gensel and Rust. Sure. Also, do you remember Vince Zappa from Duquesne? Yeah, he was my fraternity brother. Why? Yeah, I'm his nephew. Don't come to me with your problems. Thanks for the call. 412, Vince Zappa, prominent lawyer. Boy, if his clients only knew. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. We're going to pay tribute to the Penguins' uh, big three of Crosby, Malkin, and Latang just around the corner. We'll have Bob Airy, ex-Penguin. He'll join me at 4.30. We're going to talk some about the NHL's view on hitting. Because Truba went unpenalized for his shot to the head of Crosby. Then last night, I, I saw a hit thrown by Ryan McDonough of Tampa Bay that didn't target or catch the head at all, and McDonough got a penalty. You know, I don't care what they do. It's not my head that's getting smashed, but it should be applied equally, evenly, and consistently. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 x